welcome to the Succeeding Over All Roadblocks LifeCast, a show about self-discovery and vibrating higher in every area of your life. Each week, I'll have conversations with some of my favorite people who are soaring over life's challenges. They'll share their struggles, but more importantly, the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Keisha Whitaker, entrepreneur and transformational speaker. Let's get ready to soar. Hey, everybody, it's Keisha Whitaker. Thanks for tuning in. In this week's episode of Succeeding Over All Roadblocks, I have a special guest to talk about the topic of vulnerability. Social media has a lot of us disillusioned. And as we're trying to navigate through this pandemic, I think people are looking for someone they can really relate to. That's why I had to invite one of my friends who is phenomenal at opening up in a way that people gravitate to. So I'm a PR person. Everybody knows I do public relations and always, I'm just always hyping up people. So indulge me while I hype up my friend. He is the three-time international speech award winner. He is a three-time semifinalist at the Toastmasters International World Championship of Public Speaking, which is the master class of public speaking. He's the founder of Empire Coaching. He is a speech coach. He is a mentor to many, and he is the owner of Caesar Transport. Please welcome my guy, my friend, Roger Caesar. Hey, Roger. How you doing, Keisha? How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's great to see you. It's been a while. It's been a minute. It's been it's been a minute. Yeah. My goodness. It's fun to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, first, let me jump into how we met. Let's do that first. Mm-hmm. So I actually met you. You didn't yes. meet me. <laughs> <laughs> you came up to me. Yes. I, we after were at, my speech, right? Yeah, we were in Chicago at mm-hmm. the Toastmasters International International Conference in Chicago. And you were competing. And I happened to be in the room when you were speaking and competing. And something about you just resonated with me. I was drawn to your speech and your topic. And I just was like, wow, like, thank you. I want to know who he is. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Yeah, because I don't think winning is all about it's not all about winning in my in my book. I think it's really about as a speaker, how you relate to an audience and how you can draw them in. And I you did that for me. And so I had to come up and find you somewhere. I ran into you at the convention, took a picture, chatted, chatted you up for a minute. And I was like, yeah, he's a good guy. And we've uh, been friends ever since. Yes, yes. And the, the way it really happened was I reached out to you for coaching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really wanted to compete. And I was like, let me call Roger and see if he will coach me because he's so good. He's been there three times. How can I learn from him? How can I glean, you know, just anything? And unfortunately, it did not work out timing wise for me to go into coaching with you. But we did establish a great friendship. And so I'm thankful for that. And I will always call on you when I need a coach for sure. (laughs) 
Oh, that's not a problem. Not a problem at all. I, I really appreciated you reaching out to me and, and, and thank you for the kind words uh, with the speech and how it resonated with you. And I agree with you. Sometimes we as competitors often think that it's about the win. And yes, there's no doubt that when you go into any competition, you hope to come out as the victor. But more importantly, especially when it comes to speaking, I think it's more important that you leave an indelible mark on the audience in some way, shape or form. And when you can do that or when people can remember your speech for days, weeks, even years later, then that to me is more important. So hearing that from you, I, I truly appreciate that. Absolutely. My brother in speaking. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> As we talk about vulnerability, the fact that we're speakers, we have to put ourselves out there. And I wanted you to talk about that because it's such a powerful tool and I struggle with it personally. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you how you use it to connect with people. How should someone share their background and what they do and how do you keep from sharing too much? How do you know what to share, what not to share? Mm-hmm. And how do you keep people from exploiting those weaknesses that you do share? Because unfortunately there are people that will do that. And so I want to get your take on all of those things, but more importantly, the nuances of when it comes to speaking, not just speaking, actually, when it comes to sharing yourself with Mm -hmm. anyone, what do they need to be mindful of? Because I personally am afraid of putting myself out there to the point where am I telling too much? Am I Letting people in too much and telling my personal business because people gossip or whatever. How do you know what to share? How much to share? Well, let me try to answer all of those things. And and if I miss anything, please let me know. The reality is, as speakers, the number one thing that we have to keep in mind is the audience. That's number one. Whenever I do a workshop, I always try to let the audience understand that your audience is the single most important factor. How you connect with them is important. And when we're talking about stories and specifically your personal stories, uh, and you will hear this all the time, many speakers, many of the great speakers will say the same thing. These are important because it allows you to connect with people. Number one, When a speaker is up on stage and they are basically preaching to an audience, you tend to lose some of the captions of the audience because of the fact that they they're not connected with you in some way, shape or form. And I've seen that happen where you have speakers who will give a speech that has no personal portion to it. And no matter how great the message might be, sometimes you'll lose the audience in that moment. I've always believed that your your stories are very important when speaking, especially when you are trying to create a message that is to move the audience, to motivate them, to inspire them. And, and what I've always said most times, even when I'm doing my interviews or speeches, the idea is, is that. Your stories are personal, but the message is universal. I'm going to repeat that. 
the stories are personal. The message is universal. In other words, we all have our own personal stories. We all have things that have happened to us in our lives. What we try to do as speakers is to relate them to the topic that we're talking about, but make the audience feel that the message that we are conveying is one that they all can take away from. So the idea is to take a, a story that you have and then transform it into a message that they all can take away from. And that, that's the key. And being vulnerable in, in what you're saying is also very important because one of the parts of my workshop that I talk about when I, I tell people about selling yourself through your words is learning to humanize yourself. Humanizing yourself is very important. And what it does, it is allows your audience to feel like you are authentic in what you say. There is a motive to what you're talking about. There is a reason why you are wanting to inspire us to do what you're saying. If you can bring a personal story, and I'll give you an example of that, and then I'll talk about how far is too far or whatever. I'll give you a good example. About four years ago, four or five years ago, I spoke at an organization. And when I finished the speech, a lot of people came up afterwards, and it was about fear and conquering fear. And a lot of people came up to me, and of course, they were saying it was great. Thank you for coming out. And there was a gentleman in the back of the room, and he waited until the crowd dispersed. And then he came over afterwards. And I'll never forget the, the look on his face. He, you could see he was visibly emotional. And he walked over and he said, hey, um, just wanted to say that your speech was great. I was not going to come because I was really busy. But there was a lot of buzz about you coming to our company. And so I figured I'd come out and check it out. And he said to me at that moment, he said, you know, it's funny. When I finished listening to your speech, it really, really resonated with me. And the reason why is because at about four o'clock today, I'm supposed to be heading down to my lawyer's office. And when I get there, I am supposed to be filing divorce papers with my wife. And the funny thing about it is that for the majority of the time, he was constantly blaming her for everything that had happened. And once he heard my speech, he realized that a lot of the fear that he had was fear from himself. And this is how powerful your speeches or a speaker can be when he includes or she includes personal stories in it. It's your own story. But if your message can be universal and it can connect to somebody in their own lives about something that they're dealing with, that's where the magic happens. I feel like whenever I share a, a speech, a story, something personal about me, someone always comes up afterwards mm -hmm. and has mm -hmm. a similar experience or story that they have said that happened to me too. And that's it. what I think vulnerability does is it shows people that you're not the only one. That's right. That's right. I, and that's it right there. Yeah. That's it right there. The other thing that I want to say is this. 
the problem is, is that we all have we all have stories. We all have personal stories. We all have experiences that we've been through. Good, bad, embarrassing, sad moments in our lives. The problem is, is that a lot of times what we tend to do, especially when it comes to the embarrassing ones or the ones that make us sad, is that we put it in the back of our minds, lock it and throw away the key. And the reason why we do that is because we don't want other people to hear those type of stories because we think that it's going to embarrass us. Right. Here's, here's, here's the kicker. It's more about the fact that we don't want to face it ourselves. Yes. Right? Yes. That's because, what it comes down to. Okay. So for me, what I see a lot of people doing, it's sharing the story after the fact it's the road, you know, the road to redemption kind of thing. I've been the kind of person that I want to see people who are going through it and not afraid to share in real time that they're going mm-hmm. through it. I mm-hmm. think it's just challenging for us because we, we're trying to see our way out of it. But at the same time, there's someone else going through the exact same thing at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't think we also always need to wait for our redemption story to help someone else mm-hmm. be able to recover as we recover. And, and you have a good point there, but here's the other, the balance to it. Though you want to do something like that. And, and there are many cases, even in, with myself, where I will talk about something that is recently happening and do a speech on that. Here's the thing. When you're trying to motivate or to inspire people Sometimes you have to show them how do you get out of it? How did you how did you come out on the other side? Right? It's not a to be continued moment because that leaves them still in their to be continued moment. Mm-hmm. So yes, although it's great to try and do a speech, if I had something that happened today to go out tomorrow and to try to create a speech or for Friday to create a speech about today's events, that's great. But if I didn't complete what happened, or I don't know what the answer is, how do I allow my audience to feel like, okay, if he could get through that, so can I. Right. For me, some of the challenges are sometimes you're going to always be going through something, right? And for me, I feel like there are times where I'm going through it, but I may never come out of this. This may be something that I have to continually deal with for the Mm -hmm. rest of my life. And if that is the case, let me show other people how I cope, whatever techniques I have Mm -hmm. to deal with it more effectively, because there are things that people just aren't going to come out of. Great point. Yes, that's a great point. And if you can convey that in a way that motivates and inspires them, to, to keep going on, keep, keep pushing, as they say, keep pushing, right? I'm still in it. Like if that's how you, you create a speech and you, and you tell them, look, I'm still in it. I'm still here. And I've got a smile on my face and I'm trying to get through this. It's not easy. It's been difficult, but the idea is to keep pushing forward. Then you give them something to, to push forward to. Let me ask you this. I like that. Yeah. Let me ask you this. When it comes to, sharing stories that may involve other people that may not want their part in the story depicted. Mm -hmm. How do you 
share that because it's your truth. They happen to be a part of it. How do you begin to share your truth in a way that doesn't disparage someone else? There was a speech that I did in 2015, and we'll touch on it a little later, I guess. That's one of the main ones that I did. And in that speech, I talk about a good friend of mine who turned their back on me in a most critical time. I never mentioned his name, didn't say anything, but the message was clear in terms of what I was saying. And sometimes you have to do that in order to still say your message, but don't put the person out there. Now, the idea that maybe the person might hear this speech, then that's a different story. If it's a good thing, maybe you talk to the person and and find out if it's okay to do it. As I did with that speech that you heard in Chicago, right, with the story about Kyle, the little boy, uh, I asked his parents if I can talk about that story. And they were very, very happy that I was sharing it. And they didn't mind. Now, if they had turned around and said, no, you know, we want to just keep this personal and private, then I'd have to respect those wishes. And I wouldn't do that. And I'd have to figure out how I can do the speech without exploiting the situation. So there is a there's a balance of of respect that has to be given. Obviously, like you said, these are parts of the stories that mold us and and define who we are. But if it's going to come at the expense of someone getting upset, I think it's best to ask than anything else. And if you cannot get an answer or if you are not able to talk to them, then to find a way to convey that message without exploiting that particular person. Right, right. Those are great points. So now that we've talked about vulnerability and how to share, it is time for you to get a little vulnerable. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. As a part of this show, I always want my guests to share something that shows us who you are. We know what you do. We know you're great at it. But who are you when you strip down all of the accolades, the awards, the wealth or whatever it is? When you strip yourself totally of those things, who is Roger? A scared little boy. And most people would often say, how is that possible? The truth is, growing up, I was very shy. I was very skinny and truthfully did not think I looked good at all. And the funny thing about it is, even going through school, I struggled mightily in school in the beginning. Uh, When I was in grade school, uh, I had an issue with reading. I would stutter out of nervousness. And a lot of that was because I constantly felt that I wasn't good enough. I was very shy. And it took different teachers, but also obviously a great balance from my parents that helped me. I mean, where I'm from the Caribbean. So anybody who knows Caribbean parents know that they are, they're really tough on education and they push hard and 
they've had the tough lives and, and they want to see their kids come out and, and be success stories. And so my mom and my dad were very much instrumental in helping me get over that roadblock, so to speak. Uh, it was it was a hard time because I, I would I would often be embarrassed, very much embarrassed. And I had to learn over time to try and calm down and be able to speak fluently, comfortably. And it was difficult. Well, it was very difficult, Keisha, because I, I constantly struggled, 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 struggled. And if I was called on in a situation to read, oh, my God, that was that was it. That was it. It would be me and that book looking like two enemies to each other. And I would literally look at the book and the book would be looking at me and it had any type of mean face you could imagine and just constantly struggled to say the words that were in the in the book. After a while, honestly, it was not only my parents, but great teachers that sat down and I started to develop that confidence. And then I ran track and field as well. So that was another part of me that allowed me to build my confidence because I knew I was very, very good at track. And that's where I kind of honed my, my confidence and started believing in myself. So that trans that, that was able to transfer into the, the actual school and the books. Right. Right. Okay. So tell me how all of that really shaped you into who you are now and some of the experiences beyond that, that have shaped you to be who you are now. Well, this goes into what happened in 2015 when I made it to my first world championships of public speaking. I just explained that I had great people in my life that were able to keep me on the right track. And I've had a lot of bad things happen. I would say that I was a rebel when it came to my teens. I I got myself into a lot of trouble growing up. I did have my head on my shoulders in that I was very responsible in terms of working. I worked hard. I, I didn't expect that my that my parents would help me with everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they loved giving back and helping me as much as they did because they saw that I was independent. But I was very troubled and, and very rebellious in my teens. And I guess we could say that about teenagers in general. They get to that point and it's it's a feel-out process but I had a lot of things happen. There was a very, very important person throughout all of that, and that was my grandmother. I call her Gramsie. And Gramsie came and lived with us uh, when I was probably about 10 or 11 years old and stayed with us for a long time from Grenada. And I remember I learned so many valuable life lessons from her. And I often would joke with my mom and say, hey, mom, you know, you were the one who brought me into this world. But, man, Gramsci is so like a one one I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that's how close I was to her. Mm-hmm. And in 2015, when the contest started at the club level, I was determined to do a speech that honored her. 
At that time, she was 95 years old. And this is a woman, let me put it to you this way. This is a woman who was so independent, could walk miles and miles and do everything on her own, didn't need nobody. And I just respected her immensely for who she was and the different things that she was able to teach us along the way. And when I created the speech in January of that year, I had no idea that it would take me all the way to the World Championships of Public Speaking. Wow. I pretty much did it just as an honor to her. And I wanted to just have some fun. Prior to that, I've been in, I was a Toastmaster. I started in Toastmasters in 2011. And I think because of my competitive nature, I was looking at it the wrong way. And I was constantly getting upset and, and, and being angry about not winning and everything like that. And then I stepped back and I started to just try to enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. So I created that speech. And when I won in April, and of course, when you go to the world championships, it's not until August, I got a phone call from my mom in June. She said that, you know, your grandmother's, she cut her foot and she's been not feeling well. But you know, your grandmother, she's, she's fine. She should be all right. I said, okay, cool. By July, it had gotten so bad. In in fact, she had gotten gangrene. Mm, Okay. If anybody knows the old school people, they think that just throwing something on it, sap it, Put some it'll be on fine. It. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're from the South, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so they think that way. They think not, nothing could go wrong. And when they saw that and it had developed and it went past her foot and started going up her leg and they decided that they had to amputate the leg. Mm. All right. Now we're talking about a woman who has walked everywhere, independent. And you take away the one thing that allows her to feel independence. Yes. And you you saw my grandmother, who is that quintessential big mama, mm-hmm. just withered down to this. It was just like a like a stick. And it was unbelievable. And my mom said to me, you know, I think you should come down here. And this was about two weeks before I was leaving to go to Las Vegas. And when we're talking about vulnerable stories, this is it right now. I went there and I visited her and and the emotions took over because I'd seen what she had withered down to. And in that moment, I, I performed my speech for her. And she couldn't talk at this time because everything had just sucked out of her, but she still was coherent. So she saw me, she smiled, she was laying on the bed and I said, I'm going to do the speech for you. And when I'm doing the speech, you could tell she knows exactly all the moments I'm talking about throughout that speech. And you could see that, that joy in, on her face. And when I was done, I said to her, now, now you listen to me. I'm going to be performing this speech on your birthday in Las Vegas. So you can't do anything foolish now. Right. And the reason why I said that to her birthday is August the 9th. I knew that I wasn't going to be speaking until August 13th, but I wanted her to hold on to something. Right. I wanted her to hold on to something because we all knew it was was pretty obvious that she was giving up. But I was one of her favorites 
And I saw her just give me the little nod and she smiled while she did it and I left. And then when I reached, you know, August the 9th came around and I remember we had a big barbecue at my house and we did a video saying happy birthday to her and everything like that. And I wasn't leaving to go to Vegas until the 11th. And I remember my father, you know, August the 10th came around and I'll never forget. It was at about 10 o'clock in the morning. My father calls me from Grenada. And when my father calls me, most times he comes on the phone and it's like, hey, man, how you doing? What's going on? How's things? And this time he came on and he goes, hey, what are you up to? What are you doing? And you know when you know that feeling, when you know something's wrong? Yes. That's right there. I said to him, what happened? What happened? And I can feel the emotion already in my in my face. My, my eyes started to welt up and, and I could feel it. And he goes, are you are you sitting down? Are you working? I go, just tell me what's going on. And he said, well, you already know. Mm. You already know. So what my grandmother did was hold her promise to me. Right? She, yeah. she held her promise to me. She held on for her birthday. And the very next day, she let herself go. Wow. And I, unfortunately, felt so guilty because in a way I felt like I betrayed her by not telling her it was on the 13th. And so essentially I went to Vegas that year with a heavy heart, very, very emotional, and now knowing that I had to perform what was essentially a eulogy for the world to hear. Wow. That. Ooh, that's a lot. Can you imagine that? I, I, I want you to I try to, to, to take that in for a second. So for, for the first, when I reached in Vegas for the first two days before I, I was supposed to speak, I was a wreck. Mm-hmm. This is the woman who had raised me the rock of my life and who had taught me everything and was always there. And, and now I had to try to muster up that energy, muster up that belief in myself to go on stage and to perform this speech for her. And I was a wreck for the first two days. And I got to give all the credit in the world to my, my team, the, the members of my district who were down there, who really lifted me up and, and really pushed me to to get on that stage. And I, and I do a speech about it now. And I, and I talk about the mistakes that I made because I was trying my hardest to do the best I can. And I, and I felt like I failed hmm. when I came off that stage. I, I didn't even stay in the room. I just ran right out the door and, and sat outside just crying. I was just crying like unbelievably just crying. And all that was because I felt like I let her down. Wow. I let her down. And it was the hardest thing to do 
when when I when people say, "Hey, you went to the World Championships three times, man," I feel like I went there two two times, and once was just very difficult, very very difficult. And it's so interesting as I'm listening to you, I'm personally gleaning my lessons from it. Like what, what strength it took for you and her for her to continue to, to hold on for you and for you to lose your person, right? To lose your person that means so much to you that has the bond that you will never have anyone else in this world. And I totally understand that. I really commend you for going up and still doing the speech and honoring her and really making sure that you did did what you said you would do. And I think because of that, because you persevered, you went back again and again and became this phenomenal speaker because of adversity an unfortunate loss, but it gave you the purpose and propelled you forward. It's like, we just have to keep pushing through the pain, right? You see, that was, that's where I say that embarrassing moment, right? When I talked about that embarrassing moment, that was embarrassing me because I went up there and, you know, I, I, I got emotional. I had to basically change my speech in two days because now it wasn't about her being there and will always be there for me. It's now two days ago, the light of my life faded and her stardust fell to the ground. Mm. The same woman who had always inspired and made me drive myself to who I am now is but just a memory, Mm -hmm. a memory that I will always keep near to my heart and trying to say these words, ah, I'm losing it. Right. And then when you, you know how it is in Toastmasters, you try to go, you bring them to the edge, but don't go over. And I couldn't help myself. I went over because the emotions just took over me in that moment. Yeah. And and so that I knew I had already lost, but here's the here's a joyful story from me, if you don't mind if I can say this really fast. Absolutely. The following year, I had the 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 joy and the and the honor to win again. So I was back-to-back champion for my district. And I went back to the World Championships and this was in Washington. And I remember sitting in the Marriott Hotel, in the foyer of the Marriott Hotel with everybody around me. And this man, this young man, comes through the crowd and he's trying to move everybody out of the way to come over to me. And he walks up to me and he goes, hey, I know you. I remember you. And I said, I said, well, where do you remember me from? And he said, last year. You did the speech about your grandmother. I was sitting in the audience and I had tears in my eyes because I couldn't believe you actually did this speech knowing she just passed away. And it made me leave. And he was he's from uh, I believe he was from Suriname, where, where he was from. And he said, when I went home, 
after the contest or after the convention, I went straight to my grandmother's house, gave her the biggest hug, and I said, I will never take you for granted again. That's the power of speeches. That's the power of when you're vulnerable. That's the power of saying to yourself, look, it may be embarrassing to go on that stage and to cry in front of millions of people. It might be embarrassing to have to go up there and talk about something that maybe I don't want to have anybody know about, but you never know who's in that audience who just needed to hear that in that moment. You don't know it. Right. And even on a personal level, you run into someone on the street, you run into a friend who's going through, you never know what is going through and how your story and your experience can help someone. Yep. That's what it comes down to. I've performed that speech so many times because so many people will say, oh my God, that it really touched me to do it. Yeah, it was that moment. That was that was a very scary moment for me. But at the same time, uh, when I look back at it, it was a defining moment for me in growing up and understanding that even in those types of moments, you can find some type of joy. Mm-hmm. And that young man is where I got the joy. Yes, that's the power of what we do is being able to touch someone when someone comes up to me and shakes my hand at the end of the speech and says that was one of the best speeches I ever heard ain't that a great feeling though and they repeat it and they take it with them it's like why was I so afraid to share this with people like why was I holding this in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a great thing I mean I've done different speeches they're they're not all emotional I won the humorous speech contest in 2014 with a speech about me skydiving for the first time. Hmm. And how did that go? <laughs> I will never do it again, but it was it was fun to do that time. And I, I created the speech. And do you know, to this day, and that was in what that's six years ago. To this day, I still have people coming up to me and they will ask me, oh man, I, I remember your, your, your skydiving speech. I remember that was, that was amazing. That face that you did showing how you, you felt when you were jumping out the plane, priceless. And to me, again, being memorable, if I can do that and if I can, if I can move someone in that way, I'm doing my job as a speaker. It's not about me. It's about the audience. What do they take away from you when you speak? Is it that they take away the funny moment? Is it that they take away a line from your speech? Is it that they take away that emotional tie? Whatever it takes that makes them relate to you as a speaker, that's the the magic moment right there. And what do you think the formula is? Do I need to hit every one of those Something a little bit humorous for someone, a little bit this, a little bit that. No. The one thing you have to understand is you're never going to please everybody. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to convey a message. We're here as speakers to entertain. We're here to entertain. When you watch a movie, if you go to a movie, there are what? Usually in a movie theater, about 100 people in a movie theater. 
Not everybody's going to walk out of the movie saying that was the greatest movie I ever watched. No. But when they're creating a movie, they're creating it to entertain you and to hopefully you remember something about the movie that that you could walk away from. It's the same as a speaker. We want to entertain our audience. We want to inspire them. We want to make them laugh. We want to make them cry if that's what the speech is intended to do. But at the end of it all, we want the overall, the masses can take away something and be happy with it. You don't have to hit everybody. Not everybody's going to like it or not everybody's going to be able to say, hey, I got something from it. But if they can walk away saying I liked it or at least at the very least, it was good for whatever amount of time that you were speaking, then you did your job. I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah, I was doing that. Mm -hmm. I was trying so hard to make everybody happy. And you can't do that. I learned that a long time ago. You can't make everybody happy. Yeah, it's like you're trying to pull out everything out of your bag of tricks, right? And yeah, you cannot, <laughs> you cannot please everyone. And for me, my style of motivational speaking is really about, similar to this podcast, touching people's lives, making a difference, mm-hmm. making an impact, making them be more self-aware. And I think the more self-awareness that all of us have, the more we can join together and solve a lot of the problems of society because we have to first get right with self Mm -hmm. and we have to ask what is our role in what's happening Mm -hmm. am i the common denominator in this situation you know i like to tell people something that they can they can really use they can like walk away and use it that day it's Mm -hmm. i want you to walk out of the room and use it immediately and if right i know that i've done my job when someone says, you know, I, I went up and I just spoke to a complete stranger today. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. do it, you know, or whatever little, it could be a little baby step. Mm-hmm. Take that little step and you'll never know how stepping out there and putting yourself out there even a little bit can help someone else. And it helps you in the process. It's cathartic. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And I, and I commend you for that in, in, in saying that, because I think that's very, very important. That, that is a key in terms of wanting your audience to be able to walk away with something that they can do now. Now, right? It's small. It could be simple. You're not asking them to change the world, but you ask them to change somebody, somebody's world. And that's a, that's a quote that I heard. You may not be able to change the whole world, but you want to be able to change someone's world. You know what, Roger? What you just said? That is the synopsis of our conversation and the topic of vulnerability today. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, that's it. I think we try so hard to change the entire universe, but we don't have to. All you have to have is that lady that came up to you and said, I loved your speech. My God, I, want, I'm, I'm, I talked to a stranger today or uh, the guy that said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go and try to reconcile things with my wife. I'm not going to divorce her. Or that young man that ran home after the conference and went to his grandmother. That's, that's moments. That's what we do. Change the life of someone's world, change it a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. If you can do that, we're, we're doing the right thing. Amen. 
Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Roger, I cannot thank you enough for coming on here, having a very candid conversation with me. Uh, I always love talking to you. We always probably talk about this long when we talk (laughs) anywhere. It's It's true. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And so there's so many great stories that we all have inside of us. And I think once we start pulling out those stories and like you said, finding the universal theme, the common thread that sews all of us together, mm-hmm. which is the human experience, mm-hmm. then we can start to touch people's lives and impact people in a way that we never thought possible. And so I thank you for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your expertise with us. It was a pleasure. It yes. was an absolute pleasure. You know what? Let me say this. Congratulations oh. on this podcast. I, I know that you are going to be very success, successful on it. I'm just happy to be a part of the launch. This is fun. This was great. I mean, I'm looking at the time and we've done 47 minutes and I didn't even notice. Right. It's just been wonderful to be here and to have a smooth conversation with you. And I hope that your audience will enjoy not only this conversation, but many more of your conversations with many more spectacular people. Amen to that, too. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So tell us where people can find you on social media. Sure. Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn. I am also on Instagram at Caesar.Empire. That's my, what do they call it? The... The username, username, or the kids call it something. I'm, I guess I'm getting old, but Me too. <laughs> just trying to learn it. All these different things now with social media, but Instagram is at Caesar dot empire. Uh, you can also check my website, rogercaesar.com and you can reach out to me via email at rcaesar fourteen at gmail dot com. That's rcaesar fourteen at gmail.com. And I'll put all of that in, in the description for everyone too. So yeah, thank you again, Roger. And I can't wait to see what more you will do. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And keep rising. As I always say, keep rising to find your greatness. And on that note, we'll see you next week. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Succeeding Over All Roadblocks LifeCast. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Soar LifeCast for more tips and motivation. You can also email questions to SoarLifeCast at gmail.com. Be sure to catch new episodes every week and leave a review of the show. Until then, keep soaring. Keep soaring.